Welcome to Tabernacle of Praise, Church of God in Christ, where we believe in encouraging, empowering, and equipping people to live victoriously through Jesus Christ. Join us now as we enter into our worship experience. We pray that this service will be a blessing to you and your life. tribute. Amen. Thank God that we remember hallelujah that this is still still celebrating Black History Week. Praise the Lord. As we're praising the Lord for the choir, would you put your hands together for the parents? This doesn't happen unless there are parents that are willing to make certain sacrifices on, on the Saturday before the fourth Sunday and at 12 o'clock so that the children can be here. And it always reminds me, and hopefully you will be reminded if you're a parent and your child is not here, uh, that all of our children, according to the scripture, shall be taught of the Lord. And the Bible says, great shall be the peace of our children. Amen. If we spend more time influencing them in this way, there'll be less time for them to be influenced any other kind of way. And so would you put your hands together for the parents one more time. Thank you for allowing us to partner with you. I want to go to the word of the Lord uh, at this time. The, the spirit of the Lord is here and seems like everything has been on point and I'm just praying I'm just believing that God is 
is going to tap right into what already has been taking place. That he is not going to leave anybody out on today. I'd like to direct your attention to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 9. Book of 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 uh, Samuel, that's in the Old Testament. I won't go down through the whole litany of chapters and books before you get there, but it's in the forward part of your Bible uh, after you get past um, the history and so forth. You'll get to uh, the prophets, and in there you will find the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 9. And uh, I'd like for you to read along with me today. I'm, under normal circumstances, I would have you read with me. But there are some names in here that are a little bit difficult to pronounce. And so I just leave it up to you. If you want to read along with me, that's wonderful. You know, I'm going to keep reading regardless of whether or not you get stuck. Okay, I, I've read through it a few times, and I've got a little practice that you probably don't. And so... Uh, you're invited to read along with me. When you have it, say amen. amen. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? I want you to remember that, for Jonathan's sake. And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And, he's <coughs> and he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show, ki show kindness of God, the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan has yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Meshi, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. And then King David sent and said, excuse me, King David sent, and fetched him out of the house of Meshi, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not. For I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan, thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul, thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am. Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, 
and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertaineth to Saul and to his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. The word of the Lord is blessed. Just before I share with you my topic and pray, I do want to go back uh, uh, to this, this, this verse at, at chapter 10. It says, uh, he, he, and therefore, thou therefore and thy servants and their sons and their servants shall till the land for Mephibosheth. And thou shalt uh, bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But he says, you all going to do all of that for him so that there might be meat in his house. But as for him personally, he's going to eat at my table continually. I realize the shape that he's in but he's going to eat at my table continually. Would you turn to your neighbor and say to your neighbor, you may be damaged, but God is going to help you get to the table. Precious Father, we honor you and thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness. God, for your tender mercies. God, we realize, Lord Jesus, that we are derelict without you. God, and so we pray today, God, that you would give us the kind of desire, the kind, Lord, of intestinal fortitude that will enable us to persist and persevere. For I heard you say in the Sunday school lesson that we would persist in asking. Hallelujah. If we would persist in knocking, if we were persistent seeking, God, you'd make these things available unto us. God, we ask that you would take these lips of clay now. Take control. Have your way. Flow through us. Speak, oh God. Hallelujah. The words that would give us eternal life. Words that would bring us strength. Words that would encourage those with their heads hung down. Hallelujah, those that are wearing a smile on the outside but realize that there are issues on the inside. Bring us, oh God, into, hallelujah, a much healthier place. In Jesus' name we pray. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. You may be seated. In... In this particular passage of scripture, uh, in looking into this scripture, it caused me to, to realize and understand 
that everybody that comes to church, man, they come to church mostly because there, there's something that's driving them into the house of the Lord. There's something that they've been working at perhaps and they haven't quite been able to overcome it or get the victory over it. And so we, we realize how, how much the having a relationship with the Lord and being able to cast our cares on the Lord, how important it is for us to have that privilege and that opportunity. And so we believe that by coming into the house of the Lord, God will provide for us uh, a vehicle by which we're able man, to, to cast our cares, to uh, uh, point to him our dilemma so that ultimately he might be able to help us. And it caused me to think just a little bit about how important it is, at least for me, to, to be what I call delivered. Not just saved, but delivered. That we cannot, and, and it's important for us to also understand that, that even in coming to church, we can't give a person a prescription, okay, an anti an antibiotic for flesh. I wish we could. Hallelujah. It, it, this is not like giving someone uh, a prescription for penicillin, glory to God, because you've got an infection. When it comes to many of the issues that we are dealing with in the flesh, there is no prescription that we can prescribe from the pulpit that once you take it, immediately it'll change everything. If that was the case, hallelujah, I would be one of the most renowned preachers that there are. We can pray that people are saved, but then even after that, Glory to God, it doesn't mean that the struggle that you have with your flesh will be ended. The church has been, has been careful, okay, I hope, not to sell people a bill of goods and cause them to think or expect um, that God is going to do something for them that the Bible really doesn't say that he's going to do. God did not promise us that once we got saved, that we would think no evil, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, want no evil. And, and, and because the reality is that even once we get saved, there's a process where we are being renewed, okay, in our minds, but it's progressive. And the only way that that even happens is that you have to engage in all of the processes that the church provides in order to get to a place to where we're really mature in the Lord. And I would say to you that it doesn't happen at home. There's some stuff that 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 
you can do at home, glory to God, just like when you go to the doctor, glory to God, you don't stay at home and not go to the doctor, glory to God, if you realize that there's an illness, but generally you'll come to him, glory to God, he'll prescribe something for you, you'll go get it, and you take it at home. But it all starts in his office. Okay? And so, um, the, the Bible reminds us that while we have been renewed in our spirit, God is in the progress or in the process of renewing us in our mind. One day, when it's all said and done, we'll be renewed in our body. We'll have a new one. Okay, but in the meanwhile, stop trying to make this one do what it's never been supposed to do. In the meanwhile, we will be continually wrestling with this putrid flesh. We get saved, we get into the church, and then we want everybody to think that we're all right all the time. The Bible describes this thing that we all fight with as filthiness in two categories, filthiness of the flesh and filthiness of the spirit. And it challenges us to uh, cleanse ourselves from both. Some people only wrestle with filthiness of the flesh, while others only struggle with filthiness of the spirit. Okay? Some people struggle with both. Some people, okay, um, never wrestle with filthiness of the flesh. They don't drink. They don't smoke. They don't chew. They don't run with those that do. They don't gamble. They don't cuss. They don't fornicate. They are never tempted to do anything like that. As a matter of fact, they find it uh, quite distasteful, disgusting, even repulsive. If somebody else does, they'll never tell you, however, that they wrestle with pride, envy, arrogance, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness. They, they don't wrestle with filthiness of the flesh but they wrestle with filthiness of the spirit. And the filthiness of the spirit, it can hide. Filthiness of the flesh, you see it. And we are quick to point out, you got it. But filthiness of the spirit, you can keep it under wraps. You can shout over us, filthiness of the spirit. You can praise God. You can smile. You can do a lot of things 
okay? And the church has a tendency to preach about filthiness of the flesh much more than it preaches about filthiness of the spirit, but the Bible says cleanse yourself from both of them. The conflict with being born again is that when I ask Christ to come into my life, okay, immediately I have a new spirit, okay, but he doesn't give me a new mind. He tells me to have my mind transformed, okay, by the renewing of the spirit. So my mind falls short of what my spirit has enjoyed. Okay? And I'm in constant and consistent conflict on the inside between my spirit seeking God and my mind remembering my past and my body still seeking pleasure. And so the reason that we have the church is so that we might all come together, okay, and not point fingers at one another, but encourage one another and say, if God brought me through, to actually have the ability and the freedom to testify and be transparent and say, you know, when I first came into this, that's what I struggled with too. that I was crippled and I was damaged and they loved me all the way, glory to God, to, to the place where I am right now. So let me get to my topic. To give you some background on this particular passage of scripture, King Saul has, is, is actually dead, but he has been driven out of the kingship and David has become the king of Israel and I'd like to think by the divine providence of God because he is not a part of a kingly dynasty at all by, by, by rights his really really good friend Jonathan really should be the king once God excommunicated Saul Okay, because David is not the son of a king. David is the son of a farmer. Who, and he has spent most of his time on the backside of a mountain attending to sheep. But God, is, God is, has a great sense of humor. God is powerful. God is all-knowing. God knows who really loves him. Uh, hallelujah. And who is just in it for the fishes and the loaves. So God, in all of his infinite wisdom, chooses David and brings David, glory to God, into the kingdom to replace Saul. Saul is the king that the people wanted. And so God anointed him because the people wanted that, and he became the people's choice, but not necessarily God's choice. Saul has a son named Jonathan. 
And it just so happens that, 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 that Jonathan and David, uh, they bond uh, and they become like like brothers, hallelujah! They love one another. They 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 share each other's uh, problems and so forth. They go to battle together, and by all rights, Saul's sons or Saul's grandsons, Saul's great grandsons, should be in line for the kingship and not David. The problem is that Saul is rejected by God through his disobedience and, and through not being very disciplined. And so God rejects Saul. And I need to tell somebody here, anytime you decide that you're going to live this thing the way that you want to, rather than submit yourself to God and, not lean, and lean not to your own understanding, God will get to the point to where he rejects you. Because God is no respecter of persons. He's only a respectable of principles. If you do what I say, then you can get what I have. And so Saul is moved, and his son Jonathan should be king. But it just so happens that Jonathan dies on the battlefield with his dad. Jonathan. Okay, has this issue even while he's alive because it gets to a point to where, where Saul, if anybody knows the Bible, doesn't like David. And he doesn't like David for a, a really good reason. He doesn't like David because David has been going off to war fighting Saul's battles. Uh, hallelujah. And when he come back to town uh, and they have these parades that they do, uh, they praise God because Saul has killed his thousands. But there's a big hullabaloo because, because uh, 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 David has killed 10,000. And so all of a sudden now everybody likes David, especially the women. Because he goes through it back in the town in his get-up. Glory to God, and everybody is praising him. Uh, hallelujah. And everybody likes to be with a winner. So Saul gets mad. It creates a problem for Jonathan because Jonathan is torn between his love for his father, which represents flesh, and his love for David, which represents the spirit. Okay? Thus creating what I have come, I have concluded in my mind is the Jonathan complex. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about him. The Jonathan complex. And uh, that's where most Christians are. We are torn between uh, our David that represents the will of God and our Saul that represents our own flesh. And we spend most of our time trying to protect David, who represents the spirit, from our flesh. And we wrestle between two opinions. 
And Jonathan, who ends up dying with his father, okay, which suggests that he actually gave in to his flesh, has left the kingdom vacant and open. And if you don't make up your mind regarding doing the will of God, Okay, many times we will fool around and miss the very blessings of God because we were much more, hallelujah, moved by fleshly things than we were by spiritual things. So David becomes king. He's the first one in his family that has ever tasted being in the palace. He is mighty. He is chosen of God. He's anointed. And, but he doesn't know anything, Elder Brown, about the protocol of the kingdom because he's been spending his time on the backside of a mountain with sheep. He knows nothing about the order of, uh, uh, of the kingdom. He, knows, he doesn't even know how to properly sit on the throne. Okay. But God has blessed him there. And it reminded me that there are some of you out there, hallelujah, that God has blessed you to be in places that you didn't even qualify for. Hallelujah, you didn't even know how to act when you first got there. You didn't know who to bow to, to curtsy to. You didn't know who to thank or anything else. But God, in his goodness, in his magnificent mercy, blessed us to be in places that we don't even deserve. So David becomes king, and David is a different kind of person. He has an unusual heart, and he loves people, okay? But one of the things, if you'll allow me to use my own imagination, that David is experiencing is he's experiencing loneliness, okay? He can handle loneliness a little bit, okay? But if you imagine, if you can imagine you're the king, and you're in this great big palace, okay? And there's not that many people around you that you know because you didn't know anybody getting there. And so David decides, because he's lonely walking around that big old place by himself, so he says uh, to his servant, is there anybody that's still left of the house of Saul? And his servant says, well, they're, they're, let me go get Ziba. Okay. And so he asked Ziba, is there anybody that's left in the house of Saul that I may show, show kindness to for my brother Jonathan's sake? For the new, ex, the new administration probably had killed off all of Saul's family. That's what used to happen back then, okay? When the new administration comes in, nobody is left of the old administration. We still kind of do that, don't we? Um, and 
they said there is Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, but he's down in Lodabar, okay? And he's lame in his feet. And David said to them, go and fetch him. We're going to have a party. We're going to welcome him back. Hallelujah. He should be somewhere around this throne because he's the grandson of Saul. And I'm going to bring him in and at least, the very least I could do is I could give him something that belonged to his grandfather so he'll feel like, hallelujah, he has a place. Meanwhile, back down in Lodabar, Mephibosheth is sitting, crippled, broken, wounded, feeling like God perhaps has forgotten him, feeling rejected, feeling ostracized. Is there anybody in here that has ever experienced any of these feelings, frustrated by the possibilities that he should have been great, knows that he should have been somewhere around the throne, but because of his condition in life, it has uh, prohibited him from being able to assume uh, his rightful position in life. Uh, hallelujah, somebody in here knows, glory to God, what I'm talking about. Because of your condition, hallelujah, it has affected your position. So David says to, to, to Ziba to go and fetch him. And so they, they go to get him. He's down in Lodabar. Lodabar, the definition for it means no pasture. The, another translation is no communication. Nobody's talking to you. Glory to God. And, and I don't know if you realize it or not, if you have paid attention to, to some things in your own life, after, after somebody has promised you or you realize that you should have been blessed in a certain way, and then all of a sudden it doesn't happen right away, it doesn't happen for a little while, glory to God, you get to the point to where you don't even miss the blessing. And if you don't miss it long enough, you stop talking about the blessing. Have you ever been in such a state for so long uh, until you just accepted where you were and stopped talking about ever getting out, ever doing more, ever having any more? You're just satisfied. You allow yourself to become satisfied with where you are. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, this new place where you should never have been, uh, all of a sudden, it becomes normal. It's normal. And you begin saying to yourself, well, where I am is probably where I'm always going to be, and so I may as well get used to it. It doesn't look like things are going to get any better, and so I may have to readjust my expectations. Everybody else is living in the kingdom. Everybody I know is in the palace. Everybody else is eating good. They're drinking good. Hallelujah. They're eating out of China. Hallelujah. And here I am eating two-day-old pizza. But I may as well get used to it. 
Everybody is getting married. Everybody is living happily ever after. I am still alone, but I may as well get used to it. Everybody else is climbing the ladder. Hallelujah, the corporate ladder. Hallelujah, they have left me just to be the one that cleans the ladder that everybody else is climbing on, but I may as well get used to it. Everybody else's children are going to college. Hallelujah. Uh, my children, they're still stuck in bad marriages. Hallelujah. They're, they're, they're my children strung out on drugs, but we may as well get used to it. And so Mephibosheth is sitting wherever he's sitting there, maybe in, in, at the table in his house, wherever he's at. Glory God, down there in Lodabar, he is in despair, he is discouraged, he is downtrodden when all of a sudden a knock comes on the door. And uh, he says, who is it? Ziba. Who's Ziba? I don't know any Ziba. You don't know me, but I know you. Do you know when, I got excited right in here, when God gets ready to bless you? In many cases, he'll use people that you don't even know. I don't know who I'm talking to, but God is getting ready. Hallelujah. Somebody that thought that it was all over, God is getting ready to send somebody your way, and you don't even know who they are. Hallelujah. But God, hallelujah, has remembered the promise that he has made to you, and God is going to make good on that promise. See, it's not always the people that are closest to you, hallelujah, that God uses to deliver you. Every now and then, God will raise somebody up unexpected. And they'll call, then you'll get a call on the telephone. You won't even recognize the number, and you'll answer it anyway, and they'll say something like, I'm coming to get you out. And so David said, go fetch him out of the house which implies that they would have to carry him. Okay? Now, most men feel uncomfortable about being carried by anybody. I watch football, and one of the worst things that could happen to a guy is to have to be carried off the field. He'd much rather... Let everybody see, see him hop off, then be carried off. Okay? But, but there are some conditions that confront many of us in life that are so, uh, uh, so disparaging so deplorable, hallelujah, that if, if God doesn't send somebody to come in and, and pull you out uh, and fetch you out, you will never get out. Yeah. 
Because in many cases, we have done everything that we know to do to get out. And after a while, you say to yourself, you start saying to yourself, Hallelujah, I am not going to get out unless somebody helps me to get out. I need some help. And if somebody doesn't, doesn't preach something, if somebody doesn't send something, if somebody doesn't do something, I, I'm not going to be able to get delivered by myself. And so the Bible says that they, that they fetched him out. And I have to use my imagination again. I got somebody that I thought I could fetch out. The Bible said that they fetched him out. He couldn't get himself out. Uh, hallelujah. He couldn't make his own way plain. Uh, he couldn't deliver himself. Every now and then, God has to fetch us out. He picks us up. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, glory to God. We realize that, that we didn't get out in our own strength. Uh, we realize uh, that if it had not been for the Lord, uh, hallelujah, who picked me up uh, and turned me around uh, and placed my feet uh, on a solid foundation. We start singing songs like leaning on the everlasting arm. And you begin to realize that and you praise and you, you magnify God because you understand, hallelujah, that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. God hadn't raised me up. If God hadn't come and fetched me out of it, I'd still be in Lodabar. If God hadn't fetched me out, I'd still be in a drunken stupor. If God hadn't fetched me out, I'd still be hung up on drugs. If God hadn't fetched me out, I would have died in the gangs. If God hadn't fetched me out, I would have lost my life on the operating table. But touch somebody and tell them he carried me out. I wouldn't even be here at church today. I wouldn't even be here on a Sunday morning if God hadn't fetched me out. I don't know who I'm talking to, but somebody, if they had the mic, would testify. I was messed up so bad. I was so broken. I was so done with everything. I despaired of life itself, but God fetched me out. I would have lost my mind, hallelujah, but God fetched me out. I would have died on drugs, but God fetched me out. I was threatening suicide, but God fetched me out. And so now I got to give him the glory. Every time I think about the goodness of the Lord, every time I think about what he did for me, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, hallelujah, the devil would have swallowed me up. But I give God the praise right now for bringing me out.
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Every time I think about it, I have to give God the glory because I know that it was God that carried me out. He carried me out. Yes, Lord. And so they brought Mephibosheth to the palace. And he couldn't stand, so they laid him on the floor. Mephibosheth is in a beautiful place, but he has an ugly problem. He has been delivered out of Lodabar, but he's damaged goods. Hallelujah. He's been properly carried out, but he's, and he's not where he was. Hallelujah, but he's been delivered. Uh, hallelujah, but his position uh, still hasn't changed. His condition is still the same. He's damaged goods. He's lame in both feet. There is somebody here right now that's in a new position, but you still have an old problem. You're in the palace, but you're still broken. You got a smile on your face. Uh, hallelujah. And people believe that you're in one place, uh, but if they were able to peel back, uh, hallelujah, the, the facade, uh, they'd be able to see that you're still uh, in a very damaged condition. Your wife but you're damaged. You got rings, but you're damaged. You got a title, but you're still dysfunctional, damaged. God has blessed you to be a mother, but you're still damaged. You're a husband, you got papers, but you're still damaged. You're in the right place. You're in the church. You're praising God, uh, hallelujah, but you're damaged. You love the Lord. Glory to God. He's brought you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Hallelujah. You're in the kingdom, but you're still damaged. You keep coming to church, and you keep saying, Lord, how can I be in the palace? Hallelujah. After being carried from where I was into a place where I needed to be after going through all the hell that I've been through. Hallelujah. How? Glory to God. You brought me in this place but I'm still not satisfied uh, it's not enough to be delivered you've got to do something else for me so let me make two points right here Mephibosheth was first damaged when he was a little boy he is damaged now over something that happened then and one of the things that we don't do well as Christians is we don't learn how to give our all to the Lord. Glory to God. We come over and he saves us, but we're still holding on the baggage from our past. He has brought us into a, a wealthy place. But he can't really bless us uh, because we're still holding on uh, to what happened then. 
what happened to him as a little boy is that during an emergency escape, he was dropped. Okay? He was dropped. And he becomes damaged. This would be king. This should be king. This one gifted to be king ends up laying in Lodabar and is delivered into the kingdom, but he still is broken because somebody dropped him. I'm not saying somebody dropped you, but something happened to you. Okay? And many times when you don't allow yourself to be totally delivered from everything, you can be saved and sanctified and still have issues that have been unresolved. Glory to God, and it prevents you really from getting to the table. And so what God has to do for these people who have been dropped is that he brings them out of what they were into, into what he has for them. You don't hear me. He brings them out of what they were into, into what he has for them. And when they are in the place that God desires for them to be, glory to God, many times people aren't ready to receive what God has for them because they have been damaged so badly and what happens glory to God whether it's for physical or emotional if you are damaged and you don't get that fixed you, you, you just bring that wherever you go and so Ziba brings Mephibosheth into the palace and David tells him I am going to restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather I am going to bring you into your rightful position. And when you have been damaged for so long, when people start speaking positively in your life, uh, when you come to church and hear the word of God every week, uh, hallelujah, sometimes because of the psychological damage, uh, hallelujah, you don't even believe what it is that they're saying. Mephibosheth is standing before King David, and David says, I'm going to give you back everything. And Mephibosheth says, you can't be talking to me because I'm a dead dog. So what God has done is prepared a table for him. But Mephibosheth sees himself being so damaged that he is not sure that he's qualified to sit there and the issue for him like most church people is how do I get what God has prepared for me because I'm still damaged from the problem that I had before. Preacher, I love this church. It's a great church. I even like your preaching. The choir is slamming. But when I leave church, something reminds me 
that I'm still a dead dog. And whether it be the result of sin of the flesh or sins of the spirit, I, I know I shouldn't have this temper, but I do. I realize I shouldn't be bringing up stuff that you, you've, you've saved me from and forgiven me for, but I, I can't help but to continue to regurgitate it. I know I shouldn't be struggling with unforgiveness, but I don't understand. I can't figure out how to get out of it. I know that I should be happily married and satisfied, but I'm not. I'm delivered. But I still have this thing haunting me. And I'm missing out on my now because I allow the enemy to keep bringing up my then. And even though my now looks much better than my then, my then continues to keep coming up before me and prohibiting me to get to my now. I'm lying on the floor when I should be sitting at the table. And they are telling God, many people are telling God, you can't trust me with the blessing. Okay. You don't know who I am. You don't understand what I'm capable of. And the enemy will trick you into even thinking and saying stuff like you don't know what I've done. And I want to let somebody know that as still being, being haunted by what happened to them in the past, that God already knew everything about you and your past when he made you the promise, when he brought you into the palace, when he set the table before you, he already knew all of that. And he sent me by here today to just tell you that you're forgiven. that I have spread a table before you in the presence of my enemies because I'm getting ready to bless you. Hallelujah, the same thing that hurt you. Hallelujah, the same folk that, that damaged you. I, I'm going to invite them to the party so they can see what I'm doing for you right now. I'm getting ready to pray, but one of the things that kind of blew my mind is when the Lord revealed to me that when he sets the table up, you have to imagine this with me. When he sets the table up, right, and Mephibosheth is at the table, first lady with all the other people that God has blessed, and the Lord affords him to raise raise the tablecloth up and look underneath the table only to discover that everybody, under the, everybody at the table is crippled in some kind of way. So just turn to your neighbor right before we pray and tell him I'm going to be okay because I realize you're crippled too.
Would you stand? I, I want to pray. Thank you for listening today. If you want to learn more info about our church, visit us on our website at www.topchurchlv.com. We hope this message encouraged you to know you can live victoriously through Jesus Christ. Join us next week for another sermon to uplift your spirit.